Lance, would you come join me up here? Pastor Lance is going to be preaching the last message in our series called Fearless that we started. Uh, and uh, we began that back at the beginning of August, and here we are wrapping things up. And um, So will you just take a moment as we uh, pray together, just about to receive God's word, and um, just also praying for Lance as he brings us the word today. So will you pray with me right now? Father, we thank you so much for Pastor Lance, for his ministry here, for his family. Lord, I ask for a blessing and an anointing upon him and uh, the future ministry here and the things you're going to be doing this fall. We just ask for your grace, your blessing, and your favor. Lord, as he brings the message today, we ask that you would speak through him, Lord. Anoint his lips, and Lord, bring uh, just a powerful word from him, and Lord, help us to have hearts that are ready to receive. And that, Lord, we would just truly soak in your word today. And we thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Russell. So, like Russ said, um, I am preaching today. And I want to say thank you for being in seat and watching online to start. Um, you know, I know when the youth pastor preaches, sometimes people are like, oh, the youth pastor. So, kids, bring out the beach balls. We're going to have, I'm kidding, there's no beach balls. So, that was a little joke. It's all right. Some of it went over your head. It's all right. Anyway, so today I want to talk about, though, to start off a kind of update for the Ignite Student Ministries and what we're going to be doing this fall, what's changing, what things are not. Um, if you're a parent in the room, you've received emails and, and whatnot about this, but I just want to update the church body. And as I update you guys, I just want to say thank you so much for praying for me as a leader. Thank you so much for praying for the ministry and for the kids that are in this ministry. I believe that we have the best student ministry students around. We thoroughly enjoy these kids. We thoroughly love them. And uh, for those that maybe not know, here at Faith, we do offer a wide variety of opportunities for kids to get involved. So we offer our Sunday school hour, which we starting up again. We offer our Ignite, which is Sunday night, and we offer also Foundations for Faith, um, Wednesday nights for 7th and 8th graders. And these are ministries that we believe in. These are ministries that we think God is, has used in the past and that he's going to continue to use. In the spring slash summer, God pressed in on me a, a word of change. And a word of, I want you to go a different direction. I want you to kind of shift some stuff. And I want you to kind of just go to where I'm calling you. And as you can see, so there's a slide that's going to be up here. And one of the first changes that we're going to be making is to Ignite. And Ignite now is going to be two different sessions or two different groups, if you will. The first group is 7th through 9th, and the second group is 10th through 12th. And they're at different times for a reason. We want to encourage students to bring their friends. We want to encourage students to call it their own, to make that place their own. We want to encourage students to be able to come and enjoy fellowship with kids their own age. Now, this allows us to do multiple things. One of the things is that we can now engage students in more age-appropriate activities. So we can do stuff with the middle school kids that the high school kids think is lame or that they may not want to do. We can do stuff with the middle school kid, or the, the high school kids that middle school kids probably want to enjoy. Um, so we're hoping and we're praying that this change is going to be good. And as we prayed about it and talked with God about it, one of the words that came up is, is harvest. And I'm not a farmer. I couldn't make it in the farming industry. So props to you farmers. Correct smiling down here because he knows it's true. Um, so for the farming, you guys know the word harvest. We all know harvest. And I felt like God was telling us, prepare for a harvest. 
And in the Stuart Ministries, we're preparing for a great harvest. You see, because as we change this, we, we cut out our Wednesday night high school Bible study. And now for a parent, I know you think, and when you hear that, it, it can cause some fear. And that's okay. We're shifting high school Bible study to Sunday morning. And in doing that, we're encompassing our whole programs, every single program, the three that will be running, and then foundations. So foundations will still be doing Answers in Genesis, but our other three programs will be circling around this devotional series called Soul Exercises. And what this does is this engages students in actually five days a week in the Word. So for me as a pastor, I'm not a mathematician. In fact, I'm not really good at math at all. Um, but I look at this and I say, okay, we're engaging kids Sunday morning, Sunday night. We're engaging them Sunday. We're going to give them devotionals from Monday through Friday. That's five days. Five plus one equals six. There's seven days a week. Six out of seven days a week as a student ministry we're engaging kids in God's word. As a parent, that excites me. As a pastor, that excites me. And I ask that you guys pray for us in this endeavor. This was not taken lightly. This was not taken, you know, it was a while. We actually prayed, and I had guys praying both in this church and outside of this church about this. And the word harvest, harvest, kept coming. I believe God's setting our church up for a great harvest this year. And I believe that God is setting us up to, excuse me, to see things that we have never seen before. And in that harvest, I want students to grow deeper in their relationship with Christ. So my word for the year, every year I pick a word, and normally it's not known to anybody, is depth. I want to see depth. And how we're going to do that is through these devotional programs, we're going to help these kids to grow deeper in their foundation with the Lord. We're going to help these kids to move from a follower to a discipler. And like Jane and GJ said, I almost butcher his name there, like they said, the Great Commission is kind of where we're going, but that's not where we're going to start, okay? So like I said, as we're changing stuff for some parents in the room that may cause fear, that may cause anxiety, that may cause, a, you know, you're just sitting there going, well, a pastor just said they're cutting high school Bible study. We're moving it, but hold on to that. I want to look today in the book of Jonah, and I know we've heard the story of Jonah, some of us, for ever since we were a wee little one. But my hope and goal today is that through opening this word, that God gives us something new. And we're going to look at it, hopefully, from a different, different point of view. Now bear with me, because I am going to jump around. So we're going to be looking at actually the whole book of Jonah. So I told Russ, hey, this time we don't have a time limit, so I hope you all brought lunch, because we're going to be here for about four to five hours. And um, so we're going to have some fun. So, to start out, we're going to look at Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. And it says, Now the Lord gave this message to Jonah. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against its people, because I have seen how wicked they are. So we're going to start out with Jonah and the wickedness of people. And I know in my life and in my heart, I can sometimes be wicked. When I was sitting, when I was before a pastor and whatnot, and, and even still sometimes in my own personal life, can I be honest with you, sometimes thoughts cross my mind. I'm like, God, I know that's not of you. And sometimes, as humans, we walk through this path. 
You see, Jonah was called to go to Nineveh, and Nineveh was known as a wicked area. Nineveh was known as people who you didn't want to really associate with, you really didn't want to go there. But Jonah was called. And we're going to look at his response. Verse 3, but Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Everybody in the room say, drama. There it is. We have a little drama now, right? Jonah was called to go to Nineveh, but instead he said, no, I'm going to go over here. And at this time in history, Tarshish was actually known to be the furthest, the furthest away that you could go. It was known as the end of the world. So Jonah ran to the end of the world to get away from where God was calling him. And sometimes we can do that too. Sometimes when God calls us to step out in faith and do something different, or go talk to someone, or go somewhere, we say, no, God, that's not me. I can't do that. I can't talk to that guy over at Case IH. I can't talk to that guy at John Deere. I can't talk to a farmer about you. That could strain a relationship. I don't want that. But instead, I'm going to go over here to my comfort zone, to where I feel comfortable, to where I feel okay. And that's what Jonah did. And I imagine he was scared. And that's why he fled. Because when God gives you a calling and you may not like it, you often flee from it. Or you often run the opposite way. Because you're scared of what God's going to do. But as I was preparing, I was looking at this. And what we see in Scripture, in Genesis, two people who were told one thing, and then they fleed from God. Adam and Eve, right from the start, they were hiding from God. Jonah was trying to hide from God. God saw them, and he knew where they were. And in Revelation, we will see this at the, in, in the end times, of people trying to hide from God and trying to get away. It is human to hide. It's human to be scared. It's human to have fear. And it's human to be uncomfortable. But in that, in that, we need to remember who God is. And you see, Jonah hops on this, so he runs from the Lord, and, and I'm going to summarize a little bit here to, to end chapter 1. And as he's running from the Lord, he boards the ship. And in the ship, he's sitting there, and he's actually found sleeping. And why is he sleeping? While he's comfortable. There's a comfort for some people in running from God. Sometimes we can feel like we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And I love this statement when I see in the scriptures, but God. Okay? Because God always intervenes. So God intervenes, and he sends us great, this great sea to just start buffeting the ship. And I imagine that all the people on, you know, it says that they were scared and Jonah's sleeping until they wake Jonah up. And what happens is then Jonah gets woken up and they're like, why are you not scared? And he's like, well, I know what's happening. They cast lots, which then falls on Jonah. And they're like, well, why? Jonah, why? What'd you do? Who are you? What'd you do? And Jonah tells him and he's like, well, I'm running from God. 
Whew. Wow. In my humanness, I imagine they were like, you are dumber than you look, running from God. So he's running from God, and, and what happens is he tells them, hey, throw me overboard. And they're like, all right, Lord, spare us, because like, I know this is going to be murder. Help him, but don't kill us. See ya. And, and they dump him off the side, right? So they dump him off the side, and what happens is then, you know, it's a sea. It's, it's deep, and I don't know if Jonah could swim. I may not look like a swimmer, but I swam in high school. But I don't know if Jonah could swim. So I imagine watching him kind of do like what Jackson does when he's in Twin Lakes and he can't really swim that well. He can swim. Don't worry, Josh. But he does wear life jackets. But, you know, he start doing this doggy paddle, start freaking out a little bit, possibly. And he actually ends up getting swallowed by a fish, which I imagine probably stunk. I'm not a fish eater. I can't stand fish, but I know that they stink. And uh, so I imagine he's in the belly of this fish now, and that's where... We start chapter 2. As Jonah's in the belly of this fish, and he's sitting there, and he, he knows what he's done, and he knows what's happening. And in the belly of the fish, we see this prayer. Starting in verse 4, it says, Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I think it's interesting that he says, Oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. You, Lord, have driven me from... God didn't drive Jonah. Jonah drove Jonah. We drive ourselves when we flee from God. Verse 5, I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed around me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. Some translations say, The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me, weeds wrapped around my neck. So Jonah's in fear because weeds are around his neck. He feels it to his soul. I know in my life when I've run from what God's called me to, I feel it. Not just in my head, but in my heart. I'm like, ah, God, I keep wrestling with this. I don't know. I'm scared. I'm scared. And I bet Jonah was too. And as we continue, I want to look at verse 7. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. You see, Jonah had remembered what the Lord had done in the past. Jonah had remembered everything that had happened and what God's done in his life. And I want to look in Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, Even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. No matter where we go, God is there. I feel like Jonah is crying out, God, I'm in the bottom of this fish, I'm in the belly of it, I'm in the depths of the water, but I know you're here. 
I know you're there. If we keep going in chapter 2, chapter, or verse 9 says, But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I'll fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the word, or comes from the Lord alone. So Jonah came to a place of full surrenderance. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. But he saw where God was calling him and what God was calling him to do. And he said, all right, Lord, I'll fulfill my duties to you. When we come to that place of full surrenderance, when we sit and we allow for our calling to be of what God has called us to, and we come and we surrender our own agendas, Jonah didn't want to go. But he surrendered his agenda and he said, God, you're calling me here for a reason. My salvation comes from you, so I'll go. And I love this image in my mind of just hanging on by the coattails of God because I feel like so often in our spiritual walks, that's what happens. That God is like going 100 miles an hour and we're just holding on like, all right, Lord, let's go for a ride. And Jonah's feeling this. Jonah sees this. So chapter 2 ends that way and ends up actually with the fish spitting Jonah out. And chapter 3 starts this way. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. Can I get an amen for a God of second chances? Yeah. Jonah was given a second chance. I know in my life so often I have to have that second chance from God. And you see in that second chance, Jonah, once again, could choose to either flee and be like, all right, like I said, this guy, I'm out of the fish now. See ya. Or he could have been like, no, you gave me a second chance. I'm in full surrenderance. Here I am, God, let's go. Russell pointed out in the first, in the first, um, I can't even talk right now, the first session Service, there we go. Verse 3 says, This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's commands and went to Nineveh, a city so large it only took three days to see it all. Jonah obeyed the Lord's commands. Jonah chose to follow God's calling. The title of this message is Fear of Your Calling. I didn't say that before, and I'm sorry, but today we're talking about when God calls us to something, how we can be so scared that it seems easier to flee and to run, but what God's calling us to is full surrender and full dependence on Him. So Jonah followed God's commands, and he proclaimed what God had told him to do. If you fast forward in chapter 3, Jonah declares what the Lord told him to do about the wickedness and, and all this stuff. And I imagine Jonah's sitting there going, all right, Lord, I did my duty. And I expect him not to think people are going to take it serious. But if we look, look with me at verse 7. It says, then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. So the king's not messing around. Not even the animals from your, not one, not even the animals from your herds or flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning 
and everybody must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from the evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. The king took action because of Jonah's faithfulness to his calling. You see, God calls us to be faithful in a calling to him. And what he's called us to, so then other people have the opportunity to take action and to move forward. Not even an animal can take a drink or eat. That's pretty serious. Like, I don't have any livestock. I have a dog, and it's pretty hard for him not to eat. I mean, he'll sit there and he'll bark at you and paw at you. I can't imagine trying to keep cows, which outweigh me, from not eating. But I want to look at the Lord's response in verse 10. When the Lord saw what they had done and how they put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. So the Lord was, his mind was changed because of the faithfulness of the people and the repentance that they had. So often we forget about that repentance. So often we focus on things that we can control, things that we are doing. And so often we forget that when we repent, God does something amazing in us. You see, the the king took it upon himself and he made a decree, and the people saw that. And that's how chapter 3 ends. If you fast forward to chapter 4, I think this is funny because I find myself here with Jonah so often. You see, chapter 4 starts off with, and the the title in my Bible is, Jonah's anger at the Lord's mercy. See, Miranda and I have walked through some stuff in in our marriage and in our lives, and it's not often easy when we're like, God, I've been faithful. I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, I've done that, and yet, Lord, you are blessing these people, not us. Why? You see, God saw this and he spared the place in Nineveh, and Jonah isn't happy. So like any four-year-old does, they storm off to their room, right? They all stomp upstairs, and Jackson still does that. He'll stomp up the stairs when he's mad at you. Jonah goes to the east side of the city, and we pick this up here in chapter 4, verse 5. Then Jonah went to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under, and he waited to see what happened to the city. The Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there, and soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. So Jonah sits there and goes, All right, God, I did my part. Now you do your part. And I feel like Jonah had a little... A little fire in him, a little angst, to where he sat there and he said, All right, God, you do your part. So I'm going to sit here and watch you, and I'm going to watch what you do. And I imagine him sitting there going, Whew, it's getting toasty. It's getting toasty. And God says, I got you. It makes a plant grow. Jonah's like, Yes, thank you. It's about time. Now I can watch you destroy Nineveh. 
But I love what God does here. If we look, if we keep going on. But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Judah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he said. So Jonah is complaining once again to God. He's complaining so much that he would rather die. So often we want God to do what we want and God to be who we want him to be. And I love what God did here. See, God knew Jonah's heart and he looked through and said, I know what you're thinking and I know why you're thinking it. Verse 9, then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Whew, it's about to get real. Jonah's response, yes, even angry enough to die. I'm so angry, I could die because of my anger. He's so fed up with all that's going on, and he can't control it. He's so upset. And sometimes we, we can feel that anger. Sometimes we can fear that, feel that when God is telling us to do something, when God's doing something in our lives, we don't feel right. It doesn't feel right. And we have our own, our own agenda. But look at verse 10. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. Not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? People of Faith Community Church, there are over 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness in this area. And what are we going to do about it? Do we feel sorry for them? Like God feels sorry? Are we helping them to turn from their wicked ways? Or are we allowing for this to continue on? You see, Jonah was sent to, to help for the Lord to intervene and to save these people. And he was faithful in doing that. But Jonah also was focused on himself. And this is where God gave him that nice little pat on the back, if you will, and said, Jonah, it's never been about you. You're just my tool that I used. Because there are 120,000 people in spiritual darkness. And shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Charles Spurgeon said this, Nevertheless, the real work of preparation happened in Jonah. What God really prepared was a person and a prophet. You see, God was working on Jonah in the midst of working through him. And so often in our lives, when we are faithful to what God's telling us to do, God is working in us as he's working through us. And that's power. That's powerful. I ask you, what is God preparing you for? And where is God calling you to go? And as you sit and think about that, open with me to Matthew 28, the Great Commission. And as we look at the Great Commission, this is after Jesus had died and had come back to life. 
So the disciples, there's now 11 of them. The disciples here, they've seen him die and get laid in the tomb. Okay? Now we're going to pick it up here in verse 16. It says, 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. You see, they may have been doubting because, like, dude, you're dead. Like, you told us to go here? I don't know. You really going to show up? But then Jesus came and he told his disciples, I've given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all my commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is our calling as Christians. To go forward. To preach the gospel. To baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. To live a life of full surrenderance like Jonah had to and say, God, I'm here to do what you've called me to do. And so often we run from that. We shy away and say, well, I invited him to church. What more do you want me to do, God? It's not my job. It's not my job. I just invited him to church. Christians, it is your job to preach the gospel. It is your job to plant the seeds. It is your job and full surrenderance and the full of the power of Christ to go forward and to take forward the message of Christ. There are a lot of people living in spiritual darkness. And what are we going to do about it? See, when we are called and we walk in that calling, we see miracles happen. When we are called and we walk in that calling, we see God's power in our lives and the people around us. And you see, while we may be scared, and we may be fearful, God says, I'm with you to the end of the age. I want to flip back to Psalm 139, and remind us of this. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I send into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I take the wings on the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand shall hold me. When we live in full surrenderance, when we take what God has called us to, he will hold us and he will guide us and he will strengthen us. That's the power of Christ. That's the power of being called. That's the power of living as someone who was called. And yes, it's going to be scary. Yes, I'm scared for the youth ministry in some aspects. Yes, I am worried that maybe this isn't really God and maybe it was me, but I have full faith that God has worked this out and that we're going to do something incredible. Like I said, harvest, harvest, harvest. God is calling this church to a great harvest. And I believe that when we look back on the year 2020, we will see a great harvest happen. 
that we will have seen God's power at work in this area. And that we will see God's church, Christ's church, grow in the growth that it has taken. I want to leave you with a quote by Charles Spurgeon. All the while the ship sailed smoothly over the sea, Jonah forgot his God. You could have not distinguished him from the the heathens on board. He was just as bad as they were. When we are not walking in the calling of God, we are just as bad as the people who are away from God. Because what are we doing when we don't follow God's commands and His calling? We turn our backs on Him and say that we know better. And we pull Him out of that driver's seat and we take it. So I ask you, what are you called to? Are people able to see your calling that God has called you to? Or are you hiding from it? And are you hiding from God? Are you hiding from your calling? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for how you remind us that we are called to be disciples, making disciples. Lord, I pray that as we go forth with your word, that, Lord, it goes forth with great power, and that, Lord, we take it and we apply it to our lives and we apply it, and that, Father, we see a great harvest here at Faith Community Church. Lord, I thank you for the ability to sit here and to preach your word. And, God, I pray for the people online and in the seats that, Father, we act in obedience and in full surrenderance to you. Father, like that song said, take my life and let it be all for your glory, God. Let our lives be all for your glory. Thank you, Jesus. It's your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Lance. As Lance shared the, uh, the message today, there's a couple things that I've been kind of writing along the way or underlining or circling in the scriptures, and I want to just take a moment to share that with you. Lance emphasized Jonah 3, verse 3, where it says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. And he brought that out again in the Great Commission in Matthew 28 when Jesus is giving them the assignment, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them to what? Obey. If you want to be a follower of Christ, it comes with obedience to his word. That's what Jesus gave us as followers. That's what God gave Jonah in the assignment. Will we obey his word or will we do our own thing? You know, and the other thing that sticks out to me is that if we're not living in obedience, it's possible it's because we don't have a relationship with God at all. You know, the Bible says that when we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live in your life. You're given a new heart, and with that heart comes a tendency to live out in obedience to God. We're now responsive to Him. And so, one of the things is, is is perhaps some people aren't living in obedience to God because they simply don't have a relationship with God. The Holy Spirit is not present in their life. 
But I love this. By the decree of the king. Think of this. Do we have a king? What's his name? Jesus. This was the decree to those in Nineveh. Call urgently on God. If I said I need to speak with you and it's an urgent matter, that's right now, isn't it? The king said, urgently call on God. And then the other thing the king said was give up your evil ways. When we come to God and we choose to receive him by faith, we have to recognize that we have to do something with our evil ways. We have to give them up. That's what these people of Nineveh did. And for those that want Christ in their life, you have to call on God. And I'm telling you, be urgent about it. Don't delay this. Do not delay. I would say probably the greatest regret in hell is the replay of all those opportunities that maybe that individual had to receive Christ in their life, but they never responded. Even in Jonah's prayer in chapter 2, verse 9, this is what he said, salvation comes from the Lord. Not only was that salvation as he was in the bottom of this sea tangled up in weeds and God provides a great fish, but salvation comes from the Lord in that God provided his son Jesus and he also provided the cross. The cross that takes care of the sin issue that separates us from God. Jonah testifies to who God is in chapter 4. He says, you're a gracious and compassionate God. You're slow to anger and you're abounding in love. And then you're also a God who relents from sending calamity. When people come to God with repentance and a desire to change, God, in his mercy and compassion, gives grace. Are you thankful for that? And I want to give an opportunity to anybody that's listening right now that if you don't have that relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, do not delay. This is an urgent matter. And I want to lead us in that prayer because perhaps there's someone right now that would desire to say, today I want to believe and I want to become a follower of Jesus Christ. So will you bow your heads with me as we pray right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word that was given today. Lord, as you worked in Jonah's life, he moved from disobedience to obedience. And even though this ends with a, an angry Jonah, Lord, your compassion, your graciousness is the theme how this ends. We can get upset by things that we lose that are maybe keeping us comfortable, but yet there's people, Lord, people that you've created that are living in spiritual darkness.
and they need to be set free. Help us to step out and to step into our calling and helping people come to know Jesus. But the first step in living in God's calling is to have a right relationship with you. And if there's someone right now that would desire that relationship today, I'd ask that you'd pray with me right now in your heart and say, Jesus, today I surrender. And I ask, Lord, that you would forgive me of my sin. Today I give up my evil ways. And I ask that you would come into my life. Make me a new person. Cleanse me and give me great purpose in your kingdom. And help me to live in obedience to you. We thank you for this gift of salvation that comes from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're here with us today or you're watching online, we have a resource for you that's called Now What? It's a resource that will help you in your next steps of your spiritual journey. This is available at the Welcome Desk with a free Bible. It's also available online at faithccpalmer.org forward slash now dash what. We want to get that in your hands so that you would be able to take some of those next steps. It walks through some very simple things that uh, will guide you in your faith journey.